The book of the prophet Zephaniah. Uh, Zephaniah starts out by telling us his lineage to four generations, which is unusual. And so many people think the Hezekiah that he mentions last is King Hezekiah. And so that, you know, he was comfortable in uh, those kind of high level political circles. Um, we see that Josiah was king during this time. So if you remember, Josiah is the one he became a king as a boy. He uh, was a really good king and um, cleaned up a lot of the idolatry of the people. But um, he, it didn't work. The people were just too idolatrous at that point. It didn't work very well. And in the end, Josiah became proud and, and uh, went off to at a war that God didn't send him to and was killed in it. So Zephaniah's ministry would have been around the same time as Nahum. It would have been before Jeremiah, before Habakkuk that we just finished. Um, so it's it's before Jerusalem is about to be uh, overrun. Uh, just you know, Josiah is still God holds off. God had told Hezekiah that he would be because Hezekiah, remember Hezekiah showed his all the treasures to the Babylonians, and so Isaiah told him then that God was going to bring down the the country. But then Josiah was a good king, and God held off at that point. Um, but this was certainly coming. Uh, some believe that uh, Zephaniah alludes to the book of Deuteronomy. And so if you remember that during the time of Josiah, they actually found the book of the law. It had been lost. And so, you know, they, they didn't remember. I'm sure they had the traditions of certain feasts and sacrifices, but... They didn't have all the details of the law at that point until it was found again, and and then they found it. So there's some allusion to Deuteronomy, perhaps, in this writing. So Zephaniah starts out strong with the word of the Lord, right from verse 2. I will completely remove all things from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will remove man and beast. I will remove the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and the ruins along with the wicked. And I will cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. So he starts out by saying this fallen way of mankind, it does not represent me and it will not last. But then he turns his focus specifically to Judah and Jerusalem. And four, so I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place. So the fact that he says remnant of Baal probably means the um, the cleaning up by Josiah had happened, but it was not thorough enough. The people's hearts were too ingrained in the, living their own ways, their own idols. In this case, Baal worship. You know, in our case, we don't have little statues of Baal in our house, but we have our own idols in our own hearts. And uh, so that's always how that applies. Um, Judah and Jerusalem applies to the people of God in our day, the church. And it's interesting, he goes straight from remnants of Baal to... And the names of the idolatrous priests, along with the priest and those who bow down on the housetops to the host of heaven, and those who bow down and swear to the Lord, and yet swear by Milcom. So he's taking exceptional umbrage at the 
the priests who are supposed to represent God, who instead are mixed in representing both God and man, both God and Satan, the ways of God and the ways of the world. Six, and those who have turned back from following the Lord and those who have not sought the Lord or inquired of him. So again, any, now it's not just the priest, it's any who have turned from following the Lord. And you know, it's a common thing to get excited and and we see this in like almost every biblical character but it's also true you can look around perhaps in your own life or in the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ around you uh when we first come to the Lord and a lot of times that's when we're younger and and we tend to have more free time less uh um less difficulties of life perhaps or at least not the burdens of responsibility of children and things like that um a lot of times we get just on fire for the lord and we give him all that we are and then you remember when jesus gave the parable of the seeds falling on different types of ground and he talks about you know some people get really excited about the kingdom but then the worries of life come and they choke them they choke out the kingdom from their lives so here God's saying in 6, And those who have turned back from following the Lord, and those who have not sought the Lord or inquired of Him, be silent before the Lord God. So the quotation's ended. So uh, we, we may have gone from God speaking to Zephaniah speaking. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated His guests. There's a theme throughout scripture of a wedding feast or a banquet. Um, From Jesus' parables, it comes to mind the uh, parable of the ten virgins. And you have uh, five who have oil who are allowed in and five who don't have oil who are not allowed in. There's there's another one where there is a, um, a great wedding for the king's son and... Most of the guests that you would expect would come are, yeah, they don't have time for it. They've got other things they need to do. And so he goes out in the streets and he brings people in. But then one of the ones that comes in doesn't have the right clothing. In other words, he hasn't fully submitted himself to the Lord. He hasn't been made righteous in the Lord. He hasn't been made clean in the Lord. And he is kicked out. There's gnashing of teeth outside this wedding banquet, this feast but inside is the beauty of the glory of the Lord. And so Zephaniah here is saying, The day of the Lord is near. Be silent before Lord God. Be in awe and wonder. Seek him, for he has prepared a sacrifice and he has consecrated his guests. So he's doing one thing with one set of people, those who seek him, who worship him, who are being trained up to be about his purposes. And then outside there's 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 great terror there's great judgment on the worldly evil fallen ways of most of mankind verse 8 then it will come about on the day of the lord's sacrifice that i will punish the princes the king's sons and all who clothe themselves with foreign garments and i will punish on that day all who leap on the temple threshold who fill the house of the lord with violence and deceit On that day, declares the Lord, there will be a sound of a cry from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, and a loud crash from the hills. So these are particular parts of 
Jerusalem and you know the gates into the city um, but he God is is taking umbrage he's he's going to smite those who proclaim to represent them but are wearing foreign garments in other words they're mixed with the way of the world um, those who Fill the house of the Lord with violence and deceit. Those who are going after their own ways in the name of the Lord. He's saying he will bring that to an utter destruction. He says, all who weigh out silver will be cut off. All the people of Canaan will be silenced. So that those are the other, the, the foreigners who live right in the area, the mixture. It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. So this is this is a strong word against uh, many in the church today. Remember, the Lord says in the first few chapters of Revelation, uh, you know, that he hates the lukewarm, that he will spit them out of their mouth. Lukewarm is the same thing here as stagnant in spirit. I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. God is not looking for people who just claim him and then are happy to go about worldly lives. He are looking for, he's looking for people who are willing to give everything to him, who come into his kingdom, his family, who are willing to be and about the work of allowing the Lord to transform them to be made into an entirely new creation, to be born, truly born again, not a slogan, but to actually enter into a different lifestyle, to be trained up in the wisdom of God. Who he so again I and I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit who say in their hearts the Lord will not do good or evil. So what this is saying is, these are people who believe in God but don't actually believe He's going to do anything. They believe in God in a theoretical way, not in a hey this is real. God is real. God is active. The the spiritual forces of darkness that are set against us are real and active. This is all real, and I'm a party to this reality. Um, these are people who don't believe any of that. And I certainly know many loved ones like this. You probably do too. Uh, and, and maybe you find in your heart this is a little bit you. Um, I, and to be honest, uh, <laughs> the, the, this is almost all of us to some degree or another. Um, I find myself in yesterday. I found myself in a couple different conversations, really three different conversations. One saying, "Hey, the stuff I'm talking about is real. It's not theoretical, and you can see this happening in your life right now." With other people, I can understand by their questions or by their comments about things in life. They don't fully grasp. This is real. This is. This God is moving. This is the very life. This is not about uh, worldly considerations. This is not about um, theology. We're talking about a life of God. Are you living it? Do you believe He is moving in your life today and every day? Do you believe that the kingdom of darkness is against you? And the more 
that you grow up, the more they're going to take aim at you. But that God will overcome when you're giving your life to him. That that is a reality. And if you get that and you and you and you get that by shades, right? It's, it's shades of gray to enter from darkness into light. Um, but the more we enter into this reality, the more we don't just believe it, but we live it. And and he's saying for those who are stagnant in spirit and who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. He's going to judge those. He's going to judge religion when it does not represent his life. Moreover, their wealth will become plunder and their houses desolate. Yes, they will build houses, but not inhabit them. They will plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. So all this work that they're doing for the carnal well-being for their flesh for their for their worldliness he says i'm going to bring it all to nothing they're wasting their time near is the great day of the lord near and coming very quickly listen the day of the lord in it the warrior cries out bitterly a day of wrath is that day a day of trouble and distress a day of destruction and desolation a day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and thick darkness a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities in the high corner towers. I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath. So God is making it very clear. He will bring to a complete end the day, the, the way of worldly, selfish, fallen man. Now, as, as far as a complete doing away, I, I would tell you that's, that's still quite a ways away. Um, but we are absolutely living in a time of um, seeing this, <laughs> this kind of wrath poured out on the world. Um, and, and what you'll see is um, this will wake up many to seek out the Lord. Just as this is happening when Zephaniah is preaching, he's preaching to a Jerusalem and a Judah that are about to be overcome by Babylon and everything they know is going to be taken away from him and they're going to be sent off to a foreign land. Can you imagine if we were conquered and, and the Chinese just resettled us somewhere in some Chinese villages? Can you imagine how different your life would be? Um you know, it would be, <laughs> your world would be turned upside down. That was about to happen to these people. Um, and so in a very real sense, that happened. In the total final sense, we're still a ways away. And I, I don't know how long from this happening in a total final sense. But in a very real way, just like it happened to them, it is going to happen uh, in our day here. I mean, it's, this has begun already. He says, I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood will be poured out like dust. So he says, I created man for my purposes and they are glorious. Their man, if he understood my purposes, would want nothing more. And the more we understand his purposes, the more fully we grab hold. There's nothing else I want in life because his purposes are glory. He wants to put all of his glory in you. 
He wants you to inherit everything he has, and he's the creator of everything. <laughs> so there's nothing more glorious than that. And yet we go about our own ways. And he says, I, I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them. So all the wealth, and this is particularly true of, of the West, particularly America right now. Um, you know, right now we're the wealthiest country in the world. That's going to come to an end. It will not deliver us. All all the financial manufacturing that has been done these last few decades will be on the day of the Lord's wrath. So it, these things will not deliver us on the day of the Lord's wrath. And all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. For he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. And then we'll flip over to chapter 2. Zephaniah starts encouraging the people to prepare themselves for this reality. Understand this reality and get in line with God. <laughs> Quit going your own way now. He says, gather yourselves together. Yes, gather, O nation without shame. Before the decree takes effect, the day passes like the chaff. Before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you. He said, this is coming. Get in line with God. Worship the Lord. Chain, allow him to change your life so that you do not receive the brunt of his anger, but instead the blessing of his favor. Before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you, seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances. Seek righteousness, seek humility. This is the kingdom, right? Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances. So give your life to the Lord. Seek righteousness and humility. Perhaps you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Well, we see in other places in Scripture, he absolutely does do this. So it kind of depends on where we are. If we've given ourselves to this process already, we've allowed the baptism of fire to consume us, com let's say completely. I, I don't put myself in that category of completely, but let's, let's say someone has completely had everything of the world and of their own carnality eliminated from their life, then they will not be touched in any way by this. Now, they'll see it. It's not like they'll be unaware of it, but they'll just not be touched in any way. And the more you've given yourself to this process already, the less you're touched by that darkness going on around you. And it's it's just something you, you see, you have understanding of what's going on. The Lord has been preparing you for these things, but that, that you're not going through the intense fire that others are going through because you've already gone through that personally. Everyone must go through it. We're all born into a fallen family of Adam, and we must be born again and have the way the sinful ways of man and the enemy removed from us one by one. So we must all go through it. Um, but God says to those who will not give themselves to this process, which is the vast majority, he will bring upon such, such terrible judgment that everyone gets the opportunity to say, hey, oh, wait a minute, I didn't really get it. God, yes, I want you. He's given the opportunity for all the world to say, whoa, I didn't realize this, this God thing, this Jesus thing was real. I want in. So now we see in verse 4, Zephaniah switches to speaking to the kingdoms around them, not just to Judah. 
So again, this, this speaks to all of the world. For Gaza will be abandoned in Ashkelon and desolation Ashdod. So he, you know, he's, he's going to go on and talks about basically all the people of the world. He says, the word of the Lord is against you. And he says, and actually, and the coast will be for the remnant of the house of Judah. So he's already painting this picture that God, although he's going to judge this people, will bring a remnant out of this people, a purified remnant that will represent God, and they will pasture on it. In the houses of Ashkelon, so in other words, in, in the areas that used to be owned by those who were against God, the, this remnant of Judas, remnant of the people of God, will lie down at evening for the Lord their God will care for them and restore their fortune. I And then he goes on, I've heard the taunting of Moab. So he's, you know, he sees that the, the people that are against God, he, he hears the taunting, the reviling against his people. They've become arrogant against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab will be like Sodom and the sons of Ammon like Gomorrah, a place possessed by nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. <coughs> so he says, uh, those people who have been against God, who have made it difficult for my, for my people, um, you know, judgment against them will be severe. A perpetual desolation. The remnant of my people will plunder them, and the remainder of my nation will inherit them. So he said, I, just, just as he cleared the promised land of the Canaanites and settled his people, he says, I will use their territory to settle and establish my people. And if you understand that the second heavens, the principalities, the rulers and authorities in those second heavens, part of Satan's kingdom, have controlled all the people that are against God. Um, and you you see that God is giving this new territory to his remnant people. You start to understand the magnitude of, of what he's promising here. And then God just talks about all the earth is going to bow down to him. We, you know, we see that again in in the New Testament. I, I'm not picturing the, where it is, but, I, but presumably uh, Revelation. This they will have in return for their pride because they have taunted and become arrogant against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be terrifying to them for he will starve all the gods of the earth and all the coastlands of the nations will bow down to him, everyone from his own place. And he goes on. I don't want to read these parts, but he's speaking with Ethiopians, Assyrians, Nineveh. He's basically saying all the people of the earth will come to recognize who the Lord is and bow down. He kind of ends talking about Nineveh, ends this chapter talking about Nineveh, which again is the great, I think at this time Nineveh had not quite fallen to Babylon yet, um, but they had already toppled the nation of Israel. They had come against uh, Judah, put a great scare into them, but they had not conquered Jerusalem. And um, so they're, they're still out there. And he says, this is the exultant city which dwells securely, who says in her heart, I am and there is no one beside me. So this pride of life that we all struggle with, but particularly those who have found great success in life, be they people or nations, who start to think I am the center of the universe. It's all about me. How she has become a desolation, a resting place for beasts. Everyone who passes by her will hiss and wave his hand in contempt. So he says, I will bring low 
this Tower of Babel. I will bring low these worldly, uh, these, these worldly ways, this pride of life in things that are outside of me. And then we're on to chapter 3. And he's again talking about his people. It says, Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the tyrannical city. She heeded no voice. She accepted no instruction. She did not trust in the Lord. So here we have a people of God who don't truly trust in the Lord. They don't follow his ways. They've been mixed in with the ways of the world. She did not draw near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are wolves at evening. They leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are reckless, treacherous men. Her priests have profaned the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. The Lord is righteous within her. He will do no injustice. Every morning he brings justice to light. He does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their corner towers are in ruins. I have made their streets desolate with no one passing by. Their cities are laid waste without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will revere me, accept instruction. So her dwelling will not be cut off according to all that I have appointed concerning her. But they were eager to corrupt all their deeds. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day when I rise up as a witness, indeed, my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms. So these first four, first four verses, he's saying that his people, even the, all the leaders of his people, are completely against them. They're like wolves and lions. They don't trust in the Lord. They're reckless and treacherous. They've profaned that which is holy to the Lord. But, starting in verse 5, the Lord is righteous. He will do no injustice. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He does not fail. So we begin to see, we go from the fallenness of man to the glory of God, his justice and his goodness. And he says, I have cut off nations. So we can see throughout history, he's done this many times. And, and basically what he's saying is, I will do it again. And has he done it again since then? Yes, he's done it many times since this was written. And so do we now think, well, he would never do that today? Well, he's saying, just as he said then, I will cut this way off because I will have a pure, I am a just God. And when my people are not living according to my ways, they cannot go on representing me. I will cut them off so that I will have a pure people. I said, seven, surely you will revere me, accept instruction, so her dwelling will not be cut off, according to all that I have appointed concerning her, but they were eager to corrupt all their deeds. He says, I held out this promise for you, but you're eager to be corrupted. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up as a witness. Indeed, my decision is to gather nations. So now he's not just talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about, I will gather people from everywhere, from nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out on them my indignation, all my burning anger. This judgment comes against every nation, not, not just the people of God. We, we know from Peter, he starts, he starts with the people of God and works his way outward, right? But he's, he's saying here, I, it will be on everybody, for all the earth will be devoured by the fire of my zeal. For then I will give to the people's purified lips. So he says the judgment isn't just because I want to hurt people. The judgment is because I want to bless people. I want them to be purified. Purified lips. That all of them may call on the name of the Lord. He wants everyone to come to him. Everyone to choose him. He gives us free will. But he's bringing about situations so that our free will is 
um, informed by the reality of his glory and our need for him. To serve him shoulder to shoulder from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, my dispersed ones, will bring my offerings. And that day you will feel no shame because of all your deeds by which you have rebelled against me. So cleaning us so completely that we don't even feel shame for our, for our um, earthly selfish ways of the past. For then I will remove from your midst your proud exulting ones and you will never again be haughty on my holy mountain. So he says he's going to purify a people. He's going to remove those who are irredeemable, and he's going to redeem those who give themselves to him. 12. But I will leave among you a humble and lowly people, and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong and tell no lies. So here we have the remnant people of God that he has prepared and built up, who have died to the world and even to their own lives, their own rights for their own life, but live for them and have been transformed into a humble and lowly people that take refuge in him and do no wrong and tell no lies. Nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths, for they will feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. There's no one to fear anymore. There's nothing out there happening to fear because... We give our lives so completely to the Lord. He is the only one we fear. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away his judgments against you. When we enter this place, when we've allowed him to judge us completely and we've been completely renewed, what more judgment can there be? Even when we're found still in a... In a you know, an earthly body, you know, I'm thinking of Paul saying, I've asked the Lord to remove this thorn from my side, but he says, my strength is made evident in your weakness. And so if we give everything to him, what more judgment is there? If he brings anything to mind, we quickly (laughs) repent, turn away. It's done away with. There's no judgment. We are loved by the Lord and we live with the Lord. The king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You will fear disaster no more. In that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. So here we have not just a a temple that we can visit, but the Lord is in our midst. We become his temple. A victorious warrior, he will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. I will gather those who grieve about the appointed feast. They come from you, O Zion. The reproach of exile is a burden on them. Behold, I'm going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and gather the outcast. So 18, he's those who grieve about the appointed feast, he's, he's specifically talking about, there are people that stayed true to God through all this. And they came from you, O Zion. The reproach of exile is a burden on them. Behold, I'm going to deal at that time with your oppressors. He's going to save the lame, the outcast. I will turn their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. So he's taking a humble, downcast, outcast, lame people that have been oppressed And at that time, I will bring you in, even at the time when I gather you together. Indeed, I will give you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes. 
So he's making everything new. He's making a kingdom that fully represents him. A purified people who love God and love each other, who know God and are have God's glory, God's wisdom, God's love put in them, that they're transformed from the old broken ways of the world into new life, into a new family, a kingdom of God that that finally comes to represent God to all creation as he originally intended with Adam, as he promised this is the purpose for mankind, as he promised to Moses when he called all the people up the mountain and they refused to come up the mountain. They said, no, you go up for us, Moses. He's saying here, I am going to fulfill this purpose that I have always had for mankind with those who truly want to be a part of my purposes, my ways, my glorious promises. I will do it for those who want to be a part of this. Lord, I pray that we receive your fullness, that we give up everything for you and receive the reality of what you're doing in our day. God bless you. God bless each one listening to this. In Jesus' name.